Happy New Year. I will confess to you that I am a New Year's Eve uh, grumpy, grouch, scrooge. I just don't get it. I was asleep by 8.15, and I had an English muffin with peanut butter and jelly for dinner. It's going to be a good year, huh, honey? Yeah. I don't know. You would have to give me so much money to sleep on that parade route. I don't... Actually, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Or gift certificates are fine, too. Um, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, New Year's Eve in, in our culture... I recognize, and the beautiful thing about being at Lake Avenue and being exposed to so many, um, just the, the global reality of our church, getting on Facebook or Instagram and seeing how so many different cultures celebrate the new year, even throughout the year. We'll have Chinese New Year coming up here. There's some, there's some richness and there's some depth to some of those traditions. But as a Southern California native, um, I think what we're supposed to do is eat a lot of food. And then around 11.45, put on the television to watch something that has already happened. <laughs> and then a, a ball, a ball-ish thing drops. And then we say, Happy New Year. And we kiss someone appropriately. And then we go to bed. Oh, the richness of American culture. <laughs> so beautiful. So beautiful. Oh, it's just so confusing. And then we live in a city where, where there's a little more around it, thank goodness, with the traditions of the Rose Parade and the Rose Bowl. And, but, but it's interesting because when Pastor asked me to take the last week of the year and then the first week of the new year, those, those themes kind of write themselves. The, the ending of something, which we talked about last week, how to have a graceful finish. And then uh, this first week of the new year, we're calling it how to have a clean start. With the ball dropping and saying Happy New Year and eating a lot of food, it's really not our, our historical religious roots. And we're going to be in a very obscure passage in Leviticus, and we're in there for a reason, because our religious roots dating back to the founding of the, the nation of Israel and this covenant relationship with the living God, how the new year was kicked off had some very specific instructions. And in Leviticus 16, we, we will read about some of those instructions. It actually happens 10 days into the new year, uh, on a, the Day of Atonement, which is also called Yom Kippur. And on that 10th day of the new year, there were very specific instructions for the high priest on behalf of the people of Israel on how they were supposed to begin the new year, something that happened one time a year. And so I'm going to ask you to open up your scriptures to Leviticus, third book of the Bible, chapter 16. And we are not going to go through the whole chapter, but we're going to go through a chunk of it. And if you are able, because this is going to be a little bit longer, feel free to sit if you have to. But please stand for the reading of God's word, Leviticus chapter 16. And our first run here will be in verse, uh, verses 3 through 11, and then we'll jump around a little bit. So Leviticus 16, starting in verse 3. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are the sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. 
From the Israelite community, he's going to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and for his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering and make atonement for himself and for his household, and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. Verse 15. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. Verse 20, when Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task, and the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it into the wilderness. Verse 29. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native-born or a foreigner residing among you, because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all of your sins. This is the word of God. You may have a seat, and let's start to make some sense out of all this. It's really good. I'll just tell you, many of you follow a lot of pastors, and about, I don't know, 10 years ago, a a very famous pastor preached on this, and I think this might be the most plagiarized sermon, but there is some uniqueness. But it really opened my eyes many years ago, because the richness of this. So oftentimes, even with a Bible undergraduate degree, we would get to Leviticus, and I remember the class, and and so often when we get some, some of these Old Testament texts, the, the tagline is, well, all that's been fulfilled in Jesus, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter anymore. It's all, we don't have to do any of that because of Jesus. And that is incredibly true. It is totally true. But, but so often, we, in our one-year Bible, we're just kind of muscling through Leviticus to get to something that makes a little more sense. Leviticus is a book about the holiness of God and specific instructions for the, for the priests of how, how the, the temple, the tabernacle, all of this is to happen. Um, and so often when we get to Leviticus, we, we come through it with what we don't have to do anymore or what people had to do, that we miss who God is in something like Leviticus 16. So this morning, I want to suggest to you 
that from Leviticus 16, we can see uh, at least three truths about who God is today that he has been forever. And then we'll talk about how this makes sense for us in this new year. So the first point is this. In Leviticus 16, we see a God who wants to be with his people and his people to be with him. The, the whole book of Leviticus, again, is about the holiness of God. There's these two truths about our God. That he is completely holy, that he is separate from his creation, that he is unblemished, that he is clean, that he is wholly other than us, humanity. That is a truth of the Bible. But the other truth of the Bible that we see from the very, very beginning is although he is separate from us and more holy and holy and we are not, he desires to be in relationship with us. So we have a God who is holy and we have a God who wants to be with his creation, with his people. But you don't just lightly enter the presence of a holy God. That, that separation between God and us is one that needs to be acknowledged, needs to be seen. You don't, you, we talk a lot in our, our modern kind of Christian culture about Jesus being our buddy and our best friend and all of that is completely true, but there is a reverence as well. There is a reverence to our understanding of God where we don't just enter his presence lightly all the time. Before Jenny and I were married, her sister was getting married and all the family was in town from all over the country and her dad was at the near end of his, his time working and he concluded his, his working years as a vice president of a defense company. And, and one, a few days before the wedding, um, all of the family was to go down to his office down by LAX and we were gonna get a behind the scenes tour. Jenny had never really been there her whole life because of the security. This was before 9-11. And I was not related to the family yet. And so for me to be able to go into that office building was about two weeks of being vetted. I had to fax, we remember those, right? Fax machines. I had to fax over my social security card. I had to be interviewed when I was there about my relationship to Jack Pearson. When we got there, I was, I was separated from everybody else for this interview, and then finally, 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 when we were all cleared, they put a sticker on, and I was able to get into the elevator and take it to the top floor and to enjoy. See, even, even, in, our, even in our earthly kingdoms, there are, you don't just enter certain places lightly. Last night after the service, someone told me the last time that the president was in town, you know, they, they shut down the airspace. They shut down freeways. How much more than being in the presence of the living God, in all of his majesty, all of his splendor, all of his power, the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, you don't just enter his presence lightly. And to be into his presence, he makes it really clear. He wants a clean people. He wants a clean temple. He wants the things that separate us from them to be acknowledged and to be understood. But at the end of the day, from the very beginning of the scriptures, and especially in Leviticus 16, we see a God that wants to be with his people and he is finding ways to do it. Amen. Second thing we learn about God from Leviticus 16 is that we have a God who asks us to think broadly about sin. Listen, Aaron is to offer the bull first for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and for his household. So Aaron, right, in, in Leviticus 16, this is the first time this happens, and so the directions are for Aaron, 
But then we read at the end of Leviticus 16, what we read out loud, that this will be a lasting ordinance. And so where we read Aaron in, in this first time, it will be then followed up by the high priest every year after Aaron's departure. And, 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 and so before this, this, this day of atonement, it starts out with Aaron or the high priest making a sacrifice first for himself and for his household. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and for his household. And he has to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. The, the first two things we see in, in Leviticus 16 in regards to these sacrifices is that Aaron or the high priest has to first account for their own personal sin. And then it goes one step farther. It's not just their own personal sin, but it's the sins of their household. And household is bigger in this context, in this cultural context, than the households that we call households. My household is my wife, my two boys, and me. Household, Israelite household is the whole shebang. Grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody's in there. So when this priest or Aaron is coming to make this sacrifice, he's not only bringing all the things over the course of the year that he has done to sin, he is now accounting for everything done in his household. That's a little overwhelming. But, it, but it's not, doesn't just stop there. He then, he shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and to take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He'll sprinkle it on the atonement cover in front of it. This way he'll make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. Having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. We have a God that wants us to understand the broadest understanding of sin possible. That there are individual sins that we do as individual followers of Jesus Christ. There are sins that are done in our homes, in our households, and in our families. And there are sins that happen among all of us as the community of faith. There have been a, a lot of times this last year where we have, we have prayed from up here and had some kind of communal confessions and I know because, like me, sometimes those communal confessions can be really difficult for us. Because a pastor or leader in our church is up here and they're praying against these evils that are in this world and they're using words like, we have done this against you, Lord. And some of us sit in these pews and go, well, I didn't do that. Why, why do I need to confess that? I didn't do that. I'm not fill in the blank. Friends, from the very beginning of the scriptures, we have a God who has a broad understanding of sin and ask us to acknowledge that too. It is so natural for us as Americans or Southern Californians to only think of sin in terms of what I have personally done. Steve just led us through a time of confession. Chances are for 99.9% .9 of us that time, we thought about ourselves individually and we have to do that. That is biblical, that is important, that is, I, I'm not suggesting it's not. But we have a God who asks us to think broadly about sin. So for one year, for one year, Aaron, the high priest, is logging all of the sin, not just of himself, of his household, but the whole community. One year, writing it down, remembering it, acronyms in his mind, whatever he needs to do to remember that this is a group of people that although they confess that God is God, they're engaged in all kinds of stuff that would say otherwise. So the sexual immorality of the community, that is to be confessed. The cheating, the lying, the stealing of the community, that is to be confessed. 
the ways in which the community doesn't treat the creation, both, both the environment and the human beings among them as God's creation needs to be confessed. So we see this understanding of sin that has to do with self and family and the entire community and essentially once a year. A high priest was to think about the ways that they have fallen short of the beauty and glory of God. Then, then beyond that, think of the ways that their entire household, their family has fallen short of the beauty and glory of God. And then the ways that we as a community or they as a community have fallen short of the beauty and the glory of God. This is part of atonement. This is part of what separates us from the living God. So there are things that we do that we know, and then in this Leviticus 16, there's even this part that goes, whatever their sins have been, all of it needs to be confessed. All of it needs sin. What do we hear? Sin is to be known, all of it. Sin is to be felt. Sin is to be acknowledged. Sin is to be confessed. Sin is to be accounted for. Sin is that gap that we talked about last week. That gap between who we dream to be and who we know we're called to be and who we actually are. That gap is that death, that gap of sin. And that is to be acknowledged and to recognize. But here's the third truth from Leviticus that is the the good news. Is that as true as it is that God wants us to have a broad understanding of sin, he is also a God who covers and removes sin. He shall then slaughter the goat. So the first goat that's going to be killed. We've got a live goat and a, a, a sacrificed goat. He will slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people. Take its blood behind the curtain as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it, symbolizing the covering of that sin. So covering and removing sin isn't something that started with Jesus. It's something that is fulfilled in Jesus. It starts here. Then after this goat has been covered, the the blood of that goat has covered the sin of the atonement cover. Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting, the altar. He shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all of their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness In the care of someone appointed for the task, the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place, and the man shall release the goat into the wilderness. So this live goat comes a point in these instructions where the live goat comes, and the high priest is to then take both of his hands and then start confessing all the sins of the community, all the sexual immorality, all the anger, all the fear, all the hatred, all the racism, All the sins of the community is to be placed on the goat's head. Then someone takes the live goat, takes it out of the the entire community, takes it far, far away, releases it, symbolizing that all of that sin, all of that sin that's on the goat's head is gone, it is removed, it is remembered no more. And that is the fascinating thing about the living God. Yes, he is holy. And because he is wholly different than us, he wants recognition of the ways that we are not living the way he 
created us to live. He wants us to acknowledge that sin, but we don't live in that sin. We don't live in the guilt and the shame of that sin. He's a God that from Leviticus 16 says, put all that on the goat, take it out, remove it, I will forget it, forgive it, and you get a clean start. Amen? So what is known, felt, acknowledged, confessed, is removed. That's a crazy thought. Uh, li- listen to this. Hebrews, if you want some fun, read Leviticus and read Hebrews together. It'll blow your mind. It is so fun. Listen to this and see how much more meaning this has for some of us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9. You don't need to go there. I'm going to pop around. Hebrews 9. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. Jumping to verse 7. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year. And never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Verse 11, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not part of this creation. Listen to this, verse 12. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they're outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So all this this is set up in Leviticus 16, the system that happens one time a year. High priest, remembering the sins of themselves, of their family, of the community, bringing them in, following all this detail, all this way of making things right so that why? So that they can be in relationship with the living God. And this thing that happens once a year is now fulfilled in the blood and things that happen once a year on the 10th day of the new year. Now in Jesus, he is the once for all sacrifice for everybody. So no longer do we carry around a log of all of our, of our sin for a year. We can confess all the time. And we experience the freedom and the cleansing of God all the time. And so it's an interesting thing to be here at the start of the year to title a sermon, A Clean Start. As if January 1st is something magical or different, it's not. Every day of our lives is an opportunity for a clean start. And thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ, there are days where we need that clean start a few times a day. Do you see that? See this, this? This isn't just a bunch of rules and weird language about sacrificing. This is a narrative of a God who wants to be with his people, a God who wants us to understand the sin in our lives. And there is a God who is eager that once it is known and confessed, he removes it, he re- forgets it, and we're able to be in relationship with him. So, so we, we have this truth about God, and now we enter in our culture a very symbolic, fresh time of year. A time that even on the third day of the year, there's still time to, to catch up on New Year's resolutions or commitments that this year is going to be the year for fill in the blank. And I think it's important. I'm not, 
I don't think any of that is bad. I have my own commitments this year. I really hope I can do them. But I think it would be a shame if the only way that we enter the new year is where it's only centered around things like weight loss, or I'm going to, we're going to get that bathroom remodeled this year, or this is going to be the year where fill in the blank. This is an opportunity for us to recognize that the living God wants to be in relationship with us and how is 2016 going to be different because of that truth? Let me offer you three encouragements this morning for this new year. And the first one is this. In this new year, let it be marked that it is a year of intimacy with the Lord. Think about what used to have to be done. If you read all of Leviticus, you'll see many more rules, regulations, many more things that had very specific outcomes. But just, just from 16, you, you had to bathe a certain way before you put on the clothes a certain way. And when the clothes were a certain way, there was a very specific way of how you were to enter, very specific way of how you were to leave, very specific instructions about securing the animals. And then when you're making the sacrifice, very specific instructions about how you are to sacrifice those animals and what you're supposed to do with them. The high priest had to then find someone to, to draw the short straw to take the goat far, far away. Who wanted that? All the sins of the community are on the head of the goat. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it out. The work that used to have to go into being with the living God was extensive. It was detailed. And it was for one time a year. And friends, you and I live at a time where we literally believe, and I'm right there with you, that I didn't have time today to pray. I didn't have time this week to, to read the scriptures. I haven't really thought about Jesus that much since last time I was at church because my life is just so busy. Friends, may 2016 be a year remembering that, that we have a God who wants to be with us. From the very beginning, set up a way for us to connect with him and then gave his son as the ultimate one-time sacrifice for all of us so that the excuses are no more. That all of that is on the cross. We, the, the, the freeway is open lanes to connect with God. May 2016 be a year for me and for you where our intimacy with the Lord grows leaps and bounds. At our book table, right out there at our bookstore, we have these bookmarks that we have that have a one-year uh, Bible reading plan on them. The bookmarks cost about a buck, but if you don't have a buck, just take one. Let this be a year where, where the excuses that we typically use to be in the word are, are gone, and together as a community, we read and stay in God's word together because that is a way that we connect to the living God. I think about when our son, our seven-year-old, was three years old, I made a commitment that year. Because I told you last week I I, uh, I have my journals and they last about four days. So as I was reading them, I remembered this one commitment a few years ago. And it came from when I, my youth pastor one year stood in front of us and he said, my commitment this year is anytime that I'm driving alone in the car, I'm gonna turn the radio off and I'm either gonna have worship music on or I'm just gonna pray. And so when Henry was three years old, that was the commitment I made. And to this day, the songs that were played in our car, he knows word for word. 
Because when you have intimacy with the living God, it will change your heart and change your mind. Maybe this is a year for you as you're driving. There's gonna be so much chatter on talk radio this year with the election, just, just turn it off sometimes. Put on your worship music. Remember that as, as fickle as our, our government can be and as, as a president, we have a, a king of kings who wants time with us. I fear, I fear for myself that it is totally possible for me to spend more time this year considering who to vote for for president than it would be for me to spend time with the king of the universe. Let this be a year of intimacy. You're gonna lose something there. I love that Henry at seven years old, we put on this, he can whip a nene in my car and it's wonderful. Not really, but I would really much rather him sing the praises of God and even when he doesn't like it, going, this is what we do as a family. Sorry, bud. This is what we're about. Spend time with him this year. Let 2016 be a year where you recognize all the steps that used to be are no more and it is open lane. And God wants to be with you, his people. Spend time with him. Let this be a year for that. Number two, let this be a year for a bigger perspective of sin. Remember the high priest, so, so in Leviticus, it's one person, the high priest. But then we read in the New Testament, because of Jesus, now there's this priesthood. So it's not Greg's job to do this on behalf of all of us, although it is a job of Greg and me to, to, to think about what this community is going through and to bring the word to that and to bring encouragement to that, all of our pastors. But we believe in the priesthood of all believers, that what was once reserved for one person is now for all of us. All of us have access access to the presence of God. And when you have access to the presence of God, bring the fullness of sin to him. Bring your own sin, yes. And sin less this year. But bring the sin of this world to him. May this be a year where you have bigger eyes, bigger hearts, bigger minds for all that is broken in this world. This is a church that has a big heart, has big minds. The way in a few weeks we will dedicate a whole weekend. Because we'll dedicate a whole weekend to the sanctity of life because we go about our lives and we go, you know, the unborn child, that, that just doesn't, that, that doesn't seem quite right the way the world views that. And so we bring that burden and we say, this is what we are about as a community. We confess the brokenness of the world, the systems of this world, and we say, that is not quite right. Lord Jesus, make it better. And in an election year, the way that brokenness is experienced and the ways that each one of us are wired and gifted, there are going to be different aspects to the brokenness that are represented in this community. So where some of us, our heart breaks at a deep, deep, deep level for the unborn child. There are others in our congregation who hearts breaks at a deep, deep level for the poverty that is experienced in this world and in this country. There are people in this congregation who hearts breaks at a deep, deep level for racial injustice. All of it is brokenness. All of it isn't what God has intended. All of it needs to be accounted for. All of it needs to be confessed. All of it needs to be brought to the king of kings so that he can change it. So this year, bigger perspective. Spot it. 
see it, confess it, all of it, and let's do it together as a church. Communal sin matters. Personal sin matters. All of it matters. And finally, my last encouragement is that this would be a year for you and I to go all in at Lake Avenue Church. From Hebrews 9, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? All of this, all of this removal, all of this cleansing, the blood of Jesus, going back to Leviticus, the blood of the goats and the scapegoat, all of that isn't so that we're just clean and we can sit in a room and feel good. No, we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus so that we may serve the living God. We're not the kind of people who just, who just confess all of our stuff, recognize the blood of Jesus, and then put a smile on and go about our lives. We are the group of people who recognize that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us, and so now that we are empowered and clean to go around to the world to be his blessing and his truth to a world that desperately needs it, desperately needs it. I can't tell you how encouraging. Greg and I are so encouraged, so, our ministry council so encouraged with the way that the, the giving has turned out this year because it clearly communicates to me that God has stuff for us to do at Lake Avenue Church. And instead of the conversations that I'll confess to you on the 30th, the conversations in my mind were things about what ministries we're gonna have to stop, who we might have to lay off, God, through moving through this congregation, has said, no, no, 2016 Lake Avenue, we have stuff to do. But we don't do it by just putting money in a plate and then hiring people to do it. We do it as the community of faith. I dream that this is the year where some of you who are leaders in your business, who are presidents of your company, who are incredibly successful, that this is the year where you are teaching a Sunday school class of third graders. I dream of the year where, where the ways we serve God in this church, that the, we are interacting with people that we would never interact with, but we park cars together and we're brothers and sisters. That this is a year where the person sitting next to you in the pew becomes your best friend and it's the first time you ever thought you would be in relationship with someone who looked like that, lived like that, or had a job like that, or didn't have a job at all. Friends, when we go all in for the mission of God, when we go all in at Lake Avenue Church, and these kind of things happen, where we put our status aside and we say, I'm just gonna do whatever the church needs, that is our witness to the world. Uh, on Christmas Eve, many of you were here at nine o'clock. It was the most powerful time I've ever been at Lake Avenue. I mean, to the top. We don't have the numbers yet, but clearly over maybe four, over 4,000 people were here at nine o'clock on Christmas Eve. And I got in my car and went home that night and I teared up. One out of gratitude, but then out of a longing where I said, Lord, every week, may it be true every week to the top. I've been at Lake a long time and I respect, I respect, respect, respect the way that God has moved in the history of our church. In fact, in my office, 
I stole a picture of Ray and Ann Ortland. I stole it. Righteously. And I've heard the stories and stories and stories about the company of the committed in the 70s. And, the, and, and I, I am, I'm thankful for that. And yet I want to be a part of a new movement of God at Lake Avenue Church. A movement of God that says you're $450,000 behind budget with a day and a half to go. Abundance. A God that says, oh, there, the, the, we sense as a church we're supposed to be about this. I'm in. A church where this year we move out of the pews and out of our routines and we go wherever God has called us. The next many weeks, Greg will be kicking off the series next week, we are going to spend some time committed to understanding our, what we believe our uniqueness as a church is, what we're about, our values, our mission, what our core values. We're going to preach through that so that we can understand that, so that we understand why we exist and why we're here. Be all in on that series. You have travel plans, you can stream the services. You can get the sermon later that week. Be all in. Be the kind of people who are all in this year. I dream and I pray. I pray that for myself too. I know the Lord is calling me to serve somewhere at Lake Avenue Church. This is my job. You know that. Thank you for the job, by the way. But I too am called to be active in worship, community, and service. So I don't know what that means for me, and I can justify it very easily, but I know the Lord is calling me to serve this year at Lake in a different way, and I pray that if the Holy Spirit is nudging you to be all in this year, that 2016 would be a, a turn for Lake Avenue Church. I believe that is where we are. I don't think we're in a bad, I think we're in an incredible place. I'm more proud of this church and being part of this community. One of our family members asked me over Christmas, you know, if I think about serving somewhere else or what I would do next. And I go, you know, if I wasn't a pastor at Lake, I think I'd just want to own, open a restaurant somewhere else. Because <laughs> I don't want to do this anywhere else. Because this is a church that, through its roots, through its DNA, has been all in over many, many years. We're a church that understands that God wants to be in relationship with his people. We are a church that understands that there is brokenness in the world, brokenness we do as individuals, brokenness we do as a, as a culture. But we have a God and what we celebrate and why we worship and why we gather in the gospel of Jesus Christ is a God that we don't sit in that brokenness. We are a God where that brokenness is removed, it is cleansed, and we get an opportunity to, to be all in for him every day. May it be so in 2016. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning, this community, this church. We're very grateful um, for all that you are doing among us. God, thank you for Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We recognize it this morning as a one-time sacrifice for all of us. That we no longer have to be the kind of people who have someone else do our work for us in your presence, but we now can be in your presence through the freedom and the grace of Jesus Christ. We are grateful. I pray for each one of us this year at Lake Avenue Church. This would be a year like no other year. That we would go all in with you, that our lives would reflect a life of worship, community, and service, and that you will change this world as a result of our faithfulness to you. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.